So I have a funny story about, um, so I, I watched this my first time and I was talking to someone I was working with um, a couple days ago, actually the day after I watched this. And I was explaining to her that, oh, I'm so stupid. You know, I, I finally watched Jaws. And she goes, what? And um, I was like, Jaws, you know, the shark movie. And she's just like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, Donna. And she's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I was like, you've never seen or heard of Jaws. And I pull up like a poster and I'm like, Jaws. And she's like, I'm not really that big into like shark movies. And I was like, I don't fucking care. But what's also funny is when she said I'm not big into shark movies, I then thought of like how many fucking shark movies this movie has spawned and almost creating its own genre of film of shark movie. It called shark movies, you know? Yeah, at one point we'll do Deep Blue Sea. She's seen Deep Blue Sea. She liked that one. And it just made me even angrier. She's a woman she's a woman of class. Hey everybody. Welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon, and I finally watched, finally watched, Jaws. So I think I just learned that you hadn't seen Jaws like a month or two ago when you were like, let's do Jaws. And I don't know that I've ever even brought this movie up because it was like, of course she's seen Jaws. Like, I didn't even ask. The thing about like not seeing Jaws for all this time is because it is Jaws. I knew the like really big points of this film. Like um, I knew the characters, the characters are iconic. I, I know how it ends and I know, yeah, I mean like every, everyone fucking talks about this movie. So it's not like, Oh, spoiler alert. The shark dies in the end or anything like that. But what I was really missing from it was like the intricate scenes and dialogue and like, exactly what these characters are about that's what i was missing from it so once i watched this and i was like watching these characters interact with each other and it wasn't a shark attack scene i was like holy shit like this movie is almost 50 years old and if you were to tell me oh yeah this was made like 10 years ago i'd be like oh yeah cool i believe you yeah and i think also they you know they do a great job of working with the limitations they had. I don't know if you... I watched the um, the Spielberg documentary like four or five years ago when it came out. And a I lot think of I that, watched it four or five years ago too and I forgot it. But they talked a lot about the trouble this shoot had. How like, you know, they had the shark was supposed to be in it a lot more and Spielberg's like, this is a piece of shit. And so they had to make the decision to hide the shark. And it's you only see yeah. it in like very small shots and then actually the one cool thing is that at the end when the shark is attacking the cage that was just footage shot in australia with a real great right white and (laughs) um and we'll talk about like more of that later but the the parts with the fake shark is like those still look good 48 47 48 years later Mm -hmm. um and what sucks i i missed this when it came it came into theaters for like its 40th anniversary but 50 is like just around the corner. So I do plan on like trying to go see it then. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, it, the, 
I, I believe they made three full-size mechanical sharks. And I remember, you know, like the stuff about them breaking down because they're mechanical and you're putting them in the water, you know? And like all the troubles that he had with that. The thing that amazes me the most, right, is that this was on a set. And the set, I believe, maybe up until like recently, is still in L.A. Um, but the... You you can kind of ta- tell with the town of Amity that, okay, yeah, that's a set. But when they're on the boat in the middle of the ocean and you're like, that's a set. And you're like, no. But yeah, it's just nuts how they just did it in a way where everything just seems so uh, believable. Have you ever watched the um, the Popeye movie with, where Robin Williams plays Popeye? No. No? Okay, well. <laughs> Uh, it's on the list. No, uh, um, the, the town, like the fishing town that Popeye and Olive, um, oil live in, it's very obviously a set. Like everything is, is very like, that's a miniature or that's like built for what, you know, whatever. This was so well hidden that the only time I felt like, oh, that's a set was, um, some parts of the beach. But also when he's walking to get on the boat um, and he's like having that dialogue with his wife before he gets on the boat to hunt the shark. Um, well, it's not all shot on a set. Not the whole thing, but like and even like, part of the even part of the water is actually shot in the water. No. Yeah. Like the big wide shots that shot in the ocean. But the anything I think that involves the shark and as the boat sinks liability wise, that has to be shot like on a set. No, seriously, like, they they had, like, this, like, I don't know how big of a fucking ton man-made lake made on the back lots. By the way, that Popeye Popeye set, I think, was built in, like, some, I think it might have been a European country, and it's still just there. Like, (laughs) I just look it up real quick. No, no, when you brought it up, I was like, why is he bringing this up? Because also, I was reading that part of the orca that they crashed is still on um on the beach in it's not the hamptons it's um uh, it's in massachusetts i forget which uh, where this is actually oh, like yeah, i know what you're talking about yeah um and so yeah i thought you were just bringing up that part of it because like there's also i think there's this when the smurfs movie came out there's this town that like the marketing for paid for them to paint their entire town blue okay and and then, like, once the time was up, they're like, all right, you, you know, whatever. You don't have to keep it blue anymore. They're like, nah. <laughs> like, now people come to visit you because of this. We're like, we're just going to keep it blue. It's like the fucking Hobbit, ta- Hobbit like, holes in, in uh, Australia or wherever. New Zealand? New Zealand. You know what, what's great, too, about this movie is, and we'll go through it, but, like, the three people who are in it, and for, I think for most of my life, like, Roy Schneider, this is the only thing... I knew him in besides Sequest 2032, which I don't know if that's ever a thing you saw. No, that's your time, old man. The 90s? <laughs> yeah. I, I was born like... I was born in the 90s. No, but the the I wasn't raised in the 90s. I don't know if that makes sense. And then uh recently I watched The French Connection, which is like the only other thing, but he's like he's in but not like the major star of 
Um, but like him, Richard Dreyfus, and then um, the person who plays Quint, Robert Shaw, who I didn't know besides this, right? Because I'm not as refined a movie watcher as I should be. Um, but just those three characters. Hence the podcast. <laughs> works so well. <laughs> yeah, you titled it Two Cinephile Friends. I don't know if we I don't know if we meet the requirements, but <laughs> we're trying, um, we're getting there. We're climbing that mountain. No, but the thing the- is is that you know I've I've heard you know, there's been a bunch of Twitter posts about these three guys and these three characters being like, name the more perfectly cast film or like name a more perfect trio of you know, or whatever. And I was like, All right, overrated, garbage, whatever. And then I watch it and I was like Oh yeah, it's pretty damn good. <laughs> I you know before we start, I was going to tell you you should try it. We should try and recast it by the end, but I didn't do any work to do that, so I'm sure now you'll try and figure it out as we go along. Um, but <laughs> who are we kidding? It's Leo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and there's so fucking. <laughs> well, the um, old, yeah. Well, except there, honestly, Decap or Brad Pitt is the age of Quint now. <laughs> As like Holy his age shit. in the movie, because oh, Quint crap. was Quint was born in twenty seven, so he would have been forty eight. Brad Pitt is older than forty eight, I think. I would have made Brad Pitt. Okay, fine. We're doing this. I would have made Brad Pitt Brody. I would have made DiCaprio. Uh, Dreyfus is yeah. I I got to I got to talk to you. Uh, Richard Dreyfus's character is my favorite character in the movie and i think he is such a well-written character being like just having so many layers about him being like this marine biologist but also being like this rich kid who never really there's just so much like detail that was written into this character that didn't have to be honestly but the dialogue that he's given it feels timeless like, he's snarky, but not the way you would figure someone in, like, the 70s being snarky. I don't know. For me, I, I just feel like not being around in that time, I feel like there's just kind of a different dialogue back then. And and everything that comes out of his mouth is, like, timeless and witty in a sense where if this was written five or ten years ago, it would just be, like, exactly the same stuff he would say now but it was written 50 years ago brad pitt is too fucking old to be quint today (laughs) brad pitt is if my math is correct 37 Uh plus 22 is 59 years old and quint was 48 he's way too fucking old to be quint there's something about people aging back then uh back in the 70s like okay so fun fact so you know um in the first star wars movie I believe was always was also was made two years after this movie. Okay. Okay. So the first Star Wars movie was made two years after Jaws. Alec Guinness, who plays Obi Wan Kenobi, is like when you think of him, you think of a fucking old man, right? Right. Okay. People are saying, "Oh, how does Ewan McGregor, being how he looks now, uh, the timeline of like Obi Wan, the new show that came out." And the Empire is only nine years apart. And it's like, Ewan McGregor is not going to look like Alec Guinness in nine years. The age gap is too too wide, right? Right. They are exactly in the timeline 
where in nine years, Ewan McGregor will be exactly the same age as Alec Guinness was in the first Star when, Wars. When the Star Wars shot. And there's something about people aging back then that they do not age like that, how they now. And I think plastic surgery is a big part of that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. don't talk about Brad like that. We don't want to get sued. <laughs> uh, let's get to the beginning of this. So the opening is so iconic to me. I don't think there's any other way to say it. Uh, by the way, this was like a movie. I think we talked about this before, but like used to watch it in my grandpa's. Like he had like a big Astro van. And yeah, we would all okay. sit back and watch. This was like this was the movie. Like he introduced me to the Ghost in the Darkness, which is one of my favorite movies ever. But this is the other one that we would watch all the time. Was Jaws on a VHS? Um, correct in a van. And one th- reason this movie really struck with me is that it just opened with the subtlest hint of boobies. And as a kid, <laughs> that was very important to me. Yeah. I almost watched this movie when I was little, and I don't think I was allowed to because of the opening scene. And also, I was like, not, I wasn't really raised in a household where it was like sex, sexual content was like trying to be hidden from me. But I was told that this was the scariest movie and it will make me look at the ocean differently. And being a, a kid who loved the ocean, I was like, oh, I don't want that. <laughs> So I never watched the movie as a kid, but maybe that's why it's been that long. Well, I did read a, that, I did read a funny story, too, that when she filmed the scene, that girl, uh, she, like, expected all the crew to be there. But they actually, and for 1975, were, like, pretty respectful and, like, had it very limited. And then she said that she didn't know this until later on, but her boyfriend at the time went up to someone on the set and told them to leave. And it was the author of the book that Jaws was based on. And she was like mortified that he did that. That's funny. You know, a lot of people don't know that this movie is based on a book. Uh, Yeah. And it's actually based on the, you know, they talked about when they're trying to convince the mayor about this shark after they find the, the dead guy's boat, like late at night. They tell him, oh, you know, this happened in 1916. Five people were killed by the same shark. That's what the book was based off, that true story. Yeah. And what's, fun- what's funny, too, and this is more like a global discussion, but, like, sharks aren't actually like Jaws. And so the author of the book was like, if I had actually known what sharks were like, I wouldn't have written this book because it's, like, shark propaganda, basically, like, to make you afraid of them. Well, what's funny is that it's... I. Going now, looking back throughout my life and thinking about all the time that Jaws would have been relevant if I watched it and I'd and have been like okay as a kid. I studied marine biology in high school, and my teacher was cool. Like he took us to SeaWorld and he took us like behind the scenes of SeaWorld, where like people, like people from SeaWorld, marine biologists that work there, talked to us about taking care of the fish there. Mm-hmm. And I remember this whole discussion being like, sharks are not like. The ones you see in movies. And then she brought up Jaws. And it's like, oh, it probably wouldn't be a great white. It would probably be something like a tiger shark. But also, they wouldn't really like go after you unless something was wrong. And then something about a rogue shark. And I was like, what's a rogue shark? And now I know what a rogue shark is. It's the fucking shark in Jaws. But the fact that they caught a tiger shark and they weren't convinced. And they were like, no, it's a great white. I was like, actually, statistically, it would more likely be a tiger shark than a great white. It was, yeah. And what's funny too is, like, I have watched other, like, 
shows about sharks and whatnot that were trying to you know disprove jaws and they talk about a lot of times when there's a shark attack it's because they mistake people for a seal and like surfers getting attacked for example because they have that long board and then they like the extremities their limbs pop out and what's funny is in the one scene where the kittner boy gets killed the shark swims past all these people that you can easily see are people and then attacks him on a floaty with his arms and legs hanging off of it. Yeah. I thought about, I, was like, I, I noticed that too. And I was like, is that purposeful or is that just the shot you got? Um, but the, the opening is, is so interesting. And you and I were talking beforehand cause you were trying to figure out some like this dialogue that's in the background, but for like the first 30 minutes of the movie, there's so much like background dialogue and not foreground dialogue between the characters. Like you can hear so much going on in the town and which I think gives you like a a pretty cool idea of the place, like a feel of where you're at. Um, Amity means friendship, right? But like the beach scene is so cool, and the, the I thought I had this time that I've never had before is like this is like a an almost like a pro drunk, <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah, got, it's it him getting yeah. drunk saved his life. <laughs> yeah, no, for, for real. Unless he, unless it was like a sexist shark, and it just ate her and then swam away. Um, the the thing about the book that I this is what I read, and I did not read the book. However, apparently the book did a really good job in giving you the perspective of the shark. Like apparently in the book, there's like an inner monologue of the shark. Like, oh, you know, there's this woman, and I'm, and I'm, and Steven Spielberg obviously was like, I can't. I can't put that in the movie. That's going to look fucking stupid. Like, I could put, who's going to like be the voiceover of the inner monologue of the shark, right? James Earl um, Jones. <laughs> I was going to say Morgan Freeman. So the inner monologue of the shark would be ridiculous. And then um, that's why it's it's so great that he kind of translated that in the movie as we start with the first person POV shots of the shark and we continue that so whenever there is i guess that's supposed to be that inner monologue we just see through the shark's eyes in in replacement of that and i think that works just as well on a on a visual media no yeah absolutely um i also so the next day when the when the brody gets a call from home right and we Mm -hmm. find out find out that he just moved here you know he's new to this job um he goes to the beach, and I always thought he went to the beach because the body had been discovered, but he went to the beach because the guy had reported her missing, and then they just so happened to find the body like at that very moment. Right. But I always thought when I was younger that like the it was a little overacted from the other deputy. Um, <laughs> I, but, actually, I thought, I thought that too when I was watching it. But watching it this time, I was like, no, that's pretty good. I mean, I... I if you saw like a, I think it's supposed to convey how mutilated her body is, and they obviously couldn't show it to us. You know, well, what I mean? couldn't tell. I couldn't tell if they wanted to be like, oh, the whole body's there in pieces because we just see the arm. So I just don't. I also don't know if it. They wanted us to know that the arm and just the arm washed up. Well, when Richard Dreyfus looks at the body and the uh, the coroner pulls it out for him, it's like a three foot long tray is the entire remains of the body. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, you're right. So it's like barely anything. Uh, one cool thing I read is that the arm they were going to use for her was so fake looking that instead they just like buried an intern like 
just had her arm sticking out of the sand. And when the they apparently also, which you could never fucking do now, like poured hot coffee on the crabs to get them to move for the shot. <laughs> wow. Um, I was going to say about the, the like PAs are so underrated all the time. Right. Um, that's so funny. Well, you know, with like, um, like finding the body, I guess you would label that as like the first shark attack. But if you think about it, the way she was pulled under from her feet, I guess that what they wanted to like for us to understand is that it was probably just from the torso up what was left of her. Um, yeah, yeah probably from from the first shark attack. Um, it's so weird because the the whole movie's two hours, like tight, like two hours, and. From the first shark attack happening in the beginning of the movie, the second shark attack is that little boy on the raft. Well, what shocked me, because I never remembered the structure of this, so I hadn't seen this movie in probably a decade or two. And then two years ago, we, and I may have told this before, but we got, uh, I got a projector for Christmas, so then the following July, we watched Jaws from our pool. Mm-hmm. And so we set up the projector and watched it with a bunch of people. And I like, it gave me like a new appreciation for it. Cause I hadn't seen it since I was a kid. And like everyone who had seen it there with me for the first time were like, Oh, that's a fucking really good movie. But I, I didn't realize that like, it's a two hour movie. The first hour takes place in Amity with all these townspeople and characters and whatever. And the last hour is just these three guys versus the shark. And like structurally, I don't think you would do it that way today. This type of movie would be like, an hour in the town and then 30 minutes. You know what I mean? Like this would be like a tight 90 hour 40 movie. Yeah. They wouldn't keep you in the boat for that long. That because you feel that's the final scene of the movie and it lasts an hour. Okay. So you could get away with it now, but only if you wrote, if you think of Jaws as a character study, Right, where you really focus on these three guys, um, especially the sheriff, right? It's his movie. The other two guys are kind of add on. Richard Dreyfus for me steals the show a bit more, but it's really Brody's movie. And just you go so much into his character throughout the whole film between him being stressed out and getting drunk and just trying to figure figure this whole dilemma out. It's actually and I knew this was going to come up, so I, I made sure to take note that it's actually an hour 15 until he gets on the boat. And the last 45 minutes are him on, on the the boat. Those 45 minutes are structured in a way where you don't feel like you're on a boat the whole time. And I think it's because... the <laughs> I'm going to say something controversial. But somewhere in there, the movie drags a bit where... They try to get the barrels stuck in the shark, like either the second or third time. For me, that's a little repetitive, but they did it in a way just to get to the point where you got to get Dreyfus in the cage, right? Right. Well, and they split it up in a way, too, where you have like the first day that they're hunting the shark, you have a nighttime kind of break, and then the second morning, when in reality, there actually is no break. They like, they're drinking the whole night the shark comes at them at night and they're just like, they didn't even sleep, you know? Um, so I, I don't think it's like not well paced. It's just like, I don't think a movie would necessarily do it that way. Um, 
There's a part in the movie where you know how I said it was a character study of the of, of Sheriff Brody, right? Right. You notice when Dreyfus and Quint were sharing their scars, Brody, like not in a in a in a way to like get their attention, but he like looks up his shirt and then he puts it back down when they're like drinking to their legs, right? Right. Yeah. You never find out, and this is so cool, you never find out why Sheriff Brody is scared of the water. You don't. But, well, no, actually you do, right? Because well, his, you do, but you don't. Well, his wife was like, oh yeah, he's scared of the water. Water, um, what's the clinical term for that? And he goes, almost drowning. Yeah. But yeah. the when when that scar scene happened this time, I was like, you know, he he moved to Amity because he hated New York City. He was a cop there, right? And, yeah. t- and at some point he talks about like all the murders and how all the crime and you're not really helping and all that. So when he pulls his shirt up and shows the scar, I was like, oh, you know, I wonder if he had this run in. Did he have to kill some kid or like did he get stabbed or whatever? And that led to him leaving. And it turns out that that's his real scar. Uh, Roy Schneider's real scar. He had his appendix removed. And so it's almost like an ad-libbed moment that, like, doesn't actually maybe mean what anything. Oh. But I was like, oh, they're creating this whole backstory for him. and <laughs> That's going to be totally fleshed out in Jaws 2 and, you know, like that. No, but, you know, what's funny. I don't think funny? anything was fleshed out in Jaws 2. Um, I got a funny story about Jaws 2. I'll tell a little bit later. Um, but with that scene, that scar scene, I thought maybe he had, like, I don't know why he would never mention it, but his fear of water and the scar and everything like that. I was like, did he, as a kid, have a run-in with a shark? I don't know. I don't think so. You wouldn't move to an island, but... I guess not. He did drown, so... Um, So we get to the point where Brody's going to close the beach. He hears about these boys out swimming, so he's going to go save them. And then the mayor comes in, and I think the mayor is much maligned today. For his stance on the sharks, you know, people compare uh, uh, the reaction to, to COVID from a lot of people to, you know, caring more about the economy. But I will say, like, as we go through it, the mayor was did have a couple points here and there. Like, no, he did. He 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 did. I mean, I thought yeah. like I thought a lot more people had died when he was like, let's keep the beaches open. But it was not it was two people. <laughs> that had died when he's like, hey, we're not shutting down everything for two. But anyway, we'll get to it when we get to it. But I also, we never understand, I guess, besides just the mayor told him to the coroner, just abdicating his fucking duty and just being like, Oh no, that wasn't a shark. That was a propeller. When it's this very clearly town, not. This town has like a board of trustees and like the mayor, the coroner and like four other random white men are on on it. And they all like confront Brody about being like, Hey, you know, they say it and they don't, right? They're like, you know, for your well-being and your job and your reputation, let's keep this hush-hush, right? And um, also, it's a weird thing to, like, get him on the on the ferry. He's this guy who's scared of drowning to get him on that, like, the little raft from right. one ferry to the other to confront him on that thing, being like, hey, <laughs> do what the fuck we say, you know? Well, he also... the. There's so many iconic lines in this that I remember as a kid that just stuck with me. But he's like, you yell barracuda. People are like, what? What? You yell shark. 
and we have a panic on the 4th of July. Like that one always stuck with me. It's like one of the maybe a little bit underrated, but so good, you know, so good lines. No, um, definitely. Next, we get to the Alex Kittner story, the short lived story of Mr. Alex Kittner. And one thing that stuck with me from this scene is the old man boobs. Oh, like I yeah. Couldn't the... un- I, c- I couldn't unsee as a kid. So, so, so I love this scene and the way it, it plays out. And it's the iconic, like, okay, I think there's like a bunch of iconic pulling dolly shots in the, in the world. Right. And it's mm-hmm. here. You remember the one in, um, I believe it's Goodfellas, the, the pullback in the diner. Yeah. In the diner. That was Goodfellas, right? Yes. This is, uh, this is up there. This is like S tier dolly shot. Right. And so you, uh, it's a, it's a forward tracking zoom out. Yes. Thank, thank, I do know. Thank you for the technical term. The way this is built people call up, it the jaw. People call it the jaw shot. Like, shut the fuck up for one second, okay? Let me finish. <laughs> the the the, uh, the way this scene is built up is so great because he knows, right? So he's like he's trying to keep a lookout, and these fucking people start like getting in front of him, uh, talking about like, "Hey, these kids are parked in front of my car, and I need you to fucking like you know crack down on this shit." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever." He's trying to look o- ahead it's like a woman screaming no one fucking looks and then it's like playing chicken on her boyfriend's back or whatever when the old man comes up and he's like um what does he even say to like instigate him he's like he's like heard you having trouble or something yeah and he, so i don't get it <laughs> but brody goes you're a bad hat harry and the guy looks like he just told him to go fuck <laughs> fuck a duck or something he looks so fucking offended and he like walks off yeah i mean they just needed someone to distract him for a second i guess because then right after that the dog goes missing um yeah yeah it, i didn't realize how quickly this alex kittner death happens in the movie it's like 20 uh, minutes in yeah no super quick uh and like I don't think you can overstate enough like how iconic that shot is panning in on his face. Like you see it in like gifs and like compilations of movie like shots all the time. And, like if you see a shot from Jaws, it's either that or like we're going to need a bigger boat shot guess, like when he's chumming. Or it's the yeah, the the chumming where he comes up yeah. on the thing. I want you to guess which gif I'm going to use for the Twitter post. Um, is it Richard Dreyfuss uh, pulling down and uh, Roy Schneider's like, is that, are you wearing a sweater? <laughs> yeah, it's that one. It's that, it's, it's that niche scene. Um, it says Quentin getting ch- eaten in half. Uh, uh, real quick before we move on to like the first time we meet Quint, there's like a couple pretty cool facts about this. Um, well, so Mrs. Kittner, who we meet on the beach and then meet a little bit later she there's this cool story where she was like years and years later went to this restaurant and saw that they had an alex kittner sandwich and she's like oh i played his mom and then the owner walks out and it was fucking alex kittner and they hadn't seen each other since the movie since filming and he's like an adult now correct well he's no he's a 10 year old (laughs) owner of a restaurant (laughs) he got a really he got like he got like points <laughs> off of the movie. <laughs> okay, they, wrote okay. re- they wrote a really good contract for him. If I fucking get it, okay? I get how stupid it's. 
the you other thing, fucking move on. The other thing is, um, and this hasn't happened yet, but when Mrs. Kittner slaps Roy Schneider, yeah. she appa- she apparently couldn't fake slap, and so each so one was sl- real. Each slap is real, and they did it seventeen takes. Wow. So. Also, wow. yes, when he owned a restaurant, Alex Kittner was an adult, yes. Yes. Uh, okay, so I'm so, so glad we, we talked about this. So they catch a shark, right? Or, no, first of all, it's the it's the hunt, right? They have, like, the meeting of, like, the whole boards and everything. Who's the woman? Is the woman some sort of, like, journalist who is, like, not having any of this shit? She owns a hotel. I don't know. She's oh. just, like... She's an overtanned lady that owns a hotel. That's all she is. She is like one of the main background people who we hear all of her conversations, though. Like, and then she never appears again after that meeting. That's like her last part of the movie. I wonder if she had a scene cut or something. Because yeah, they made a big big deal out of her. Um, I like her. her she's like, that's not funny. I didn't think that was funny. Uh, one of the one of the boards made like a sly remark about something. But he's like, the, is that um, cash or check? That's right. So there's a reward out for hunting the shark, and I love Quint's introduction where he just scratches his nails on the chalkboard, and he's like, I'll do it myself. That was pretty good, I'll right? catch this bird for you. He's like, but I'm not going to do it for three. I'll find him for three, catch him and kill him for ten. Yeah, so obviously... Get the head, car- tail, the whole damn thing. I, I love interrupting you. Continue. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure I know you do. Um, he's a Captain Ahab type esque character, uh, and I don't know if it's just because you know you know the character's a Moby Dick or or something, but like you know it's not going to end well for him. Well, he also I think not at maybe at this point, but at some other point, and I never caught this before. But he talks about he's like uh, a fish this big will swallow a man whole. Like sort of foreshadowing. There's a lot of foreshadowing his, on his death. Yes, foreshadowing yeah. his own death. I mean, especially him like drawing him drawing. I don't know if he drew the shark cartoon behind him or if someone else drew it. But the way he's like superimposed in front of it, and it's like you see you see this little stick figure getting eaten behind him. It's like yeah, he's gonna die. He's wearing your hat, Quint. Yeah, I never caught that it was Mrs. Kittner. And I mean, it's very obvious, but Mrs. Kittner was the one who posted the reward it's either i never caught it or, or forgot that that was a detail oh, I, I caught it yeah well i know i mean it's fairly fucking obvious but you know that's not my point um the the only thing i want to talk about before we get to them hunting and catching that first shark is uh what's his name roy schneider brody is reading this book about sharks and then his wife comes up and <laughs> i love the like just the the quick line of like you want to get drunk and fool around and he's like oh yeah <laughs> like i've had a bad day but then he's like well where are the kids and she's like oh they're on the boat and he starts screaming at him she's like oh what what just leave them alone they're fine they're fine and then she sees the picture of a shark eating a boat and she starts screaming at them did you hear your father get out of the boat <laughs> uh you you probably couldn't appreciate this when you were a child watching this movie uh but miss brody is fine I, it is something that I noticed for the first time today. Yeah, that is, that was a thing that that was a thing yeah. that I noticed. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, real quick, like to talk a little bit. Let's just do the details of this movie that like were different from the book. 
and you might have read something different than me, but the two things I read were, one, the mayor kept the beach open because of mafia ties, and they had invested in the real estate of Amity, which I think is fucking useless, and I'm glad they cut it. And the other thing that I think would have actually ruined this movie for me is that Richard Dreyfuss's character fucked Mrs. Brody, and then Richard Dreyfuss's <laughs> penance at the end of the movie was that he died. Whoa, what? <laughs> yeah. Wow, you uh you went into more detail than I did with the with the book um investigation. Okay, so I heard a little bit of something different and something not different. Okay, so I definitely didn't hear about the mob ties, but I did hear like when the book was written, it was um like a different financial crisis that was happening, and so it was more pertinent that they do keep the beaches open. Or, like, you know, financially that they would be ruined. And I don't think you actually get that part of it, like, the financial weight that's on this town from the movie. You just get the mayor bitching about it all the time that you, like, it's important to him on, on like, a materialistic level. But, like, in the book it was like, oh, it'll fucking ruin this town. That was my yeah, understanding it- of it. And without without the details of it, it's, like, hard to know, oh, is he just being a greedy asshole or, like, people are going to lose their livelihoods and right. because of that, and it are comes, people, people are going to kill it, themselves, like... It comes off as, as him being a greedy asshole, especially when they all show up and he doesn't close the beach and no one's going swimming and then he forces people to go swimming. It's like, okay, you fucker, like, you know? Speaking of fucker, I did not read... That Richard Dreyfuss's character had sex with Miss... That's such a weird plot line. Um, So from what I read on why he didn't die in the movie... Who knows what's true? This is what I read. They had the shot um, from Australia about the the shark munching on the, um, the shark cage. And obviously the shark cage was empty because that fucking shark destroyed it right well they had a they had a richard dreyfus dummy for it and but the only shot that worked he wasn't in it is what i read right so the only yeah so the only shot that looked cool was the fact that the cage was empty spielberg wanting to use that shot had to rewrite the way that richard dreyfus slipped out of the cage for that shot to work and then that's the only reason he's alive, and that's why he comes back in the end. Because there's no death scene of him. Which is like... It makes sense if the cheating scene happens for him to die. Because like, that satisfies the audience that you know this guy's a bad person. I think it, like, I think it ruins the mo- movie if you have the affair. Because you like Mrs. Brody. Yeah. You, you like Richard Dreyfuss' character. And also, it just takes away from this fucking shark story. Like, that is the story. Right, like, and but in, you you love their friendship, like Brody and Dreyfus's friendship is awesome in this. I mean, and what, how, like he's only there for a few days. When did he find time to like wine and dine, Mrs. Brody? <laughs> hey, listen, Mrs. Brody doesn't need a lot of wining and dining. Okay, well, she was pretty excited um, when he brought that wine bottle. So yeah, maybe. Yeah the 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 thing that's funny to me is that the way these characters were written, and I know it's a total bromance, but if you were to say that it was written that 
Dreyfus and and the sheriff had an affair, I would be like, yeah, okay, I could see it. Yeah, that makes sense. They think they're going to die. They're stuck on the boat. Um, the doc scene really quickly, I think it was always like one that was funny to me. The guy who like didn't want to be there anyway. And the doc breaks off as like the shark takes it. And then you just slowly see the doc turn around. His friend's like, just trust me. Don't look back. And I was thinking, I was like, there's no way he would have made it back. Right. Like that shark would easily catch him. I guess. Well, think about, think about the, the, the length of the chain and the, time it would take for the shark to turn around and then the dock to catch up is that the shark would have been turned around and there by the time the dock even like rotated you know yeah so i don't i think i think he probably would have actually died although that dock may have been pretty heavy that he like had pulled off so uh, and i just like the funny line at the end can we go home now <laughs> that that is such a weird scene because that happens after they uh the alex scene and then you have the basically right after that you have him conf- uh Dreyfus and Brody confronting the sheriff about the the shark um, the mayor what did I say I said sheriff didn't I yes the mayor <laughs> the sheriff and and Dreyfus confronting the mayor about the shark um and well, then no. the mayor's well before that is that we actually haven't even met Richard Dreyfus yet like his first scene is when oh, he comes shit. up. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He comes up on that boat, and I never realized the huge fucking dude that he meets when he gets off the boat, and the guy's like, "Are you coming here to catch the shark too?" That's Ben Gardner, who he finds later. They find later his head out in the ocean. Oh, um, I I love the like how chaotic this scene is. Uh, Dreyfus tries to tell those guys to get out of the boat, and they're like, "Ah, whatever." And he's like, ah, "They're all gonna die." <laughs> Well, that's what I mean. Like, I don't know about you, but you just don't really hear that kind of kind of off the cuff dialogue a lot of the times in like seventies movies. And for for Richard Dreyfus to be that kind of character back then, that's just yeah. the kind of a character I would expect to be written nowadays. You know? Yeah. Uh, the only other thing before we get to the catching the tiger shark is. The way Richard Dreyfus like looks at the corner, and the corner's got almost like his tail between his legs, like because he knows, like this guy knows I'm a fucking liar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, is great. Um, maybe my favorite line in the whole entire movie is they catch the shark. These three yokels are trying to figure out what kind of shark it is, and the one guy's like, <laughs> "It's a it's a mako," and then Richard Dreyfus is like, "It's a tiger shark," and the guy's like, "It's a what?" <laughs> I was rewatching that scene um before like 5 minutes before we started recording to try to catch a different dialogue thing from from a different scene and I knew you, if you didn't brought, bring it up I was going to bring it up cuz that's such a like and it's so weird that like before jaws people knew nothing about sharks so it's like yeah tiger shark or it's like oh the other thing is when he's like oh it's a great white and the mayor's like a great whoozy whatsy? Like, <laughs> right. everyone fucking knows what a great white shark is now, you know? Because of this movie, right? But yeah. yeah, one, it's the greatest line reading in this medium. And for Steven Spielberg to recognize how great of a line reading that was and not do another take just shows me, like, that's why he's, like, the goat. <laughs> that's a, a what? <laughs> I can't even do it justice. It was just so amazing. No, it was so good. Um, so then, uh, 
the mom comes up wearing all black, like she just came from the funeral. Did she just come from the funeral? I would assume so. Um, then why didn't like the rest of the town go to the funeral? Anyways, um, they were too busy catching the shark, I guess. Uh, but yeah, she just slaps the shit out of him. And then that's when you kind of realize and like bravo to Sheriff Brody being like not pointing fingers to the sh- to the mayor being like, well, I-, I wanted to close the beach. He didn't let me, you know. Well, and the mayor's like, she's wrong. And he's like, no, she's not. Um, one thing, this is where I think the mayor has never been more right than in this scene where Richard Dreyfuss is like, we need to cut the shark open. And the mayor's like, this is not the time or place to see that little Kittner boy spill out on the dock. And it's like, could that's you, true. Could you imagine? Could you imagine, though, like his whole body just like blopping right there on the dock? Yeah, like you, you definitely can't be wrong that that's not the shark. Like that was a big fuck up. And even if that shark had eaten anybody, like, which is not that common, I get. But yeah, no, the it, fucking that's not the shark that ate the kid. That's the shark that ate Pip and the dog. So when he cuts it open, it's just a fucking dog falling out of there. Right. Um, and then the start of the bromance is the dinner that night. I love the cute scene of his son mimicking him. Yeah. And then he's like, give us a kiss. He says, give us a kiss, which is like a weird way to say it, but it stuck with me. And son's like, why? And he's like, I need it. You know, and it's like a very cute moment. And then fucking Dreyfus just comes in. Is anyone eating this? Steals Brody's food. <laughs> You're going to want to let that breathe as Brody pulls a full glass, like <laughs> like a tall boy glass of wine. Yes, in front yeah. Of and then he pours like his wife, like a like a regular half glass. Yeah. Uh, so good and then you're like well we got to go cut that shark open and the wife's like can you do that i can do anything i want i'm the chief of He's police like, it's such a that's also a very great line it is it is uh, the right after that another great line he's like we got to go out tonight and he's like we can't do that yes we can i'm not drunk enough yes yes you are, you are. <laughs> yeah uh so they cut it open and then of course they get the result that everyone knew they were going to get it's just a bunch of cans and a license plate from louisiana and, and one thing that you obviously noticed the music from this movie it's fucking john williams so of course um but the different music for the different point it's not always just a dunna 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 you know what i mean like when they're going out to get ben gardner when they go out and find ben gardner's boat that music is so it's like so Steven Spielberg-esque, right? Which is obviously he works with John Williams a lot, so that makes sense. But like that had a unique sound. When they're going out later, there's almost this just like happy, like joyous, like, oh, we're on an adventure music. Like the music throughout this is so good, obviously. It is good. It is good. Yeah. It's sometimes I feel like it's too uplifting. Like one one thing I noticed where yeah. it was too uplifting was when they're all three of them are on the boat in the final forty five minute scene. And they, like, shot, I think it's the second barrel, the second floating barrel onto the shark. And they're chasing it. They're chasing it down. Like, they're going, like, some ridiculous miles per hour down the, you know, the ocean. And they're chasing it down. And it's just the most, like, uplifting music. And I was like, it's kind of weird for this. But, I all right, I'll, I'll roll with it, you know. I agree. Um, The thing that doesn't make sense to me is that now they go and confront the mayor both of them about the thing and you see the great like graffiti on the billboard with like the the shark and he's like 
the mayor is so worried. He's like, why don't you, instead of like worrying about the shark, go catch these like graffiti artists? I feel like Dreyfus might have done it himself. Like that would have been a good. That would have been a good uh, way well, to do it. He said it was. He said it was perfectly drawn to the scale of the shark. So how how they get it done so I well? I don't know exactly. Um, but the thing where he he has he found the tooth of the great white. Not that the mayor would have even cared if he kept on that tooth. He's like, where's the tooth? I don't know where the tooth is. So you don't know where the tooth is. And you've never seen the tooth. It's like, you, you don't fucking care. You're just, you're, your straw man uh, reasoning is, is stupid. But the the fact that they found, <laughs> they found the dead guy and they didn't bother to like bring like his head. It's like, yeah, I don't have the tooth, but I have this dude's head. Well, they're supposed to like drag in his boat. And uh, one cool thing I read is, so there's obviously the big reveal when the shark, as as uh, Brody is chumming, right? The shark pops his head up, and that's a big, like, scare moment, right? Yeah. And then Spielberg was saying that he kind of got greedy and wanted another one of those. And so he, like, upped the, the voltage on, like, the Ben Gardner's head popping out. And he said when he did that, then it lessened the momentum of the chumming scene later. So it was like... He was tinkering with those two scenes, trying to get like two big jumps like out of the audience. I got jump scared. All right, I didn't get jump scared with the with the gardener head, and I didn't get jump scared with the chum scene because I saw that coming. I knew that was coming. There is a scene where they're hanging off of the bow of the boat, and I think it's Quint trying to grab something, and the shark just fucking pops out of the water. Right. I got so fucking jump scared. I was like, "What the fuck?" But yeah, I'm I'm glad it did because it's like not. I didn't think much of this movie could surprise me, and that scene definitely did. Right. So we're now at the next uh, shark kill, which is the beach is packed. They've basically the mayor has said. I like how the mayor even is like, "We caught a big predator shark." He's like, "We didn't catch the shark. We caught a big one." Um, you know, to the news crews that are there. And uh, then he, you're right, he, like, goes and tells this old guy, he's like, hey, go, go in the water. No one's in the water. Well, okay, hold on. Before that, before we leave the scene where he, the, both of them are telling the mayor off, he says something like, if you think the beaches are, okay, what did he say? If you think the beaches are unsafe, then I, I implore you to, to do anything you want to make sure they are safe. But that beach is not going to be closed on the 4th of July. Cut to... Everyone and their fucking mother from like the mainland coming to this beach on the Fourth of July, and I think the the amount of people that's shown arriving is so great because the only thing going through my head watching this, probably going through every watcher's head, is uh, all these people could fucking die. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's. I think at one point Dreyfus was like, "You're creating like a shark smorgasbord out there," uh, you know, f- for him. Um, but yeah, he tries to convince this old guy to get in the water, and then uh, Brody tells his son, "Like, hey, don't go in there. Go in the pond," which I guess is like this. I'm gonna say estuary. I don't even know if that's the correct term. It's just this like a little offshoot of water where it goes in and seems a little safer. It's um, like a bay. It's like a small Gulf of Mexico. It's an estuary, probably. I'll look okay. up what it is. Anyway, hey, that's fine. 
So you think there's a shark attack. Everyone runs in at these these two fucking kids. Kids in such an iconic moment when the one kid's like got water in his mouth. He's like, he made me do it. I didn't want to do it. He made me. Oh, you're talking about the the the, the kids fake wearing shark. the shark fin. Right, right. Now that was so that was so interesting because you see like two girls playing, and then you see the shark fin coming up behind them, and and they don't see it, but this other woman sees it, and she freaks out, and she's like, "Oh shit!" and she starts swimming back, and then this other guy knocks like five kids off of a raft, steals the raft, and he starts booking it. Well, fucking George Costanza, every man, woman, and child for themselves. Yeah, uh, but th- but the weird thing is that you get this like perspective. I guess it's the perspective of the kids. And what's so cool about that is that from this like first person POV, the only time we've seen this first person POV is from the shark, like the actual shark. But we get it from these kids, and I don't know about you, but could you tell that it's different? Like the shot and like the angle, it's above water, different. And I was like, how do these people who feel like they're so close to these kids don't see the fucking kids? Yeah, I don't know. Because it's like a, it was like a cardboard fin and then they had what a, the, the little tube, I forget what that's called. The scuba, the, what do you call it? It's not scubaing. It's when you have the, um. Snorkel, the snorkel. Snorkel, yeah. They have the snorkel that comes out of the water, right? So you like, you could see that, but. There is a bunch of great little moments when that fake shark attack happens because you have the dude that knocks over all the kids, right? You have one woman holding her child just standing in the water screaming, not moving, just fucking screaming like, you're going to die. What are you doing? And then the old guy that gets knocked over and then dragged like onto yeah. the beach. He's just yeah. like, oh, I'm fucking dead. Yeah, I like to think that's the guy that that the mayor tried to get to swim in the first place. Uh, <laughs> Maybe. Well, no, the guy who the mayor tried to get to swim in the first place, the young dude that knocked the kids over, he knocked over their raft. Oh, that was their raft? Okay. Yeah. Um, so Michael's in the pond. The shark's coming in. There's this artist chick who's, like, yelling, Shark! So she dated someone who was working on the movie and then asked to get in the, like they were like oh you know do you want to do this part in the movie she's like okay but only if my artwork gets featured and then they cut the scene where they show her artwork oh my god yeah they're supposed to show it like a frame of it i guess earlier and they just they had to cut that part out so for that, time that bitch was so greedy she was like oh yeah this <laughs> who's directing this <laughs> Well, in her defense, he what he had only done like what TV movies at this point. So I mean, you know, yeah, he did. Um, I I really want to watch. Uh, what's that? Uh, one with the truck trying to like track down this guy, kill him. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, that that would be interesting to do. Well, maybe, yeah. huh? Yeah, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exploitation yeah. movies. You know, what's so weird about Steven Spielberg is that this. I guess you would say this is his first film, right? I mean, basically, yeah. Basically, yeah. Um, this kind of cemented what a PG-13 blockbuster summer movie like this. This made movies, basically, well, what, what they are today. Well, it is the first blockbuster. PG-13 didn't exist. So this right. was actually going to be rated R. And they had to cut some of the bloodiness out to get it down to a PG. Because, yeah, there was no in-between, which... Today, this is like a, an obvious PG-13. Um, 
But right. yeah, uh, the dude's leg falling off is such a like a first of all that's I think my my favorite kill from the movie like the shot from above as the shark is getting him I think the shark looks really good in that scene yeah and then you does. just and then you just show his leg falling straight down to the bottom yeah um, got like the tendons and all yeah i also love the shot as the shark swims by uh michael like the brody's kid yeah it it almost looks like a um like a like the flying shot and like one of those rides like um soren at epcot you know what i mean like it, it kind of flies above the water like it's going above and like flying off it was it was weird um but cool and it <laughs> it, 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 it has this whole like I'm going to leave this guy's kid alone feel to it. Like I'm not going to take his kid out just yet. Like it's like, it's a sentient shark. We'll we'll save that for jaws. The revenge. We're not doing jaws. The revenge. No, no, no. I'm saying no, we're not, but I'm saying the, the, the shark's mentality in, in jaws. The revenge is that it was going after Brody's family and Brody's family only. And it's like, no shark has the sentience to, to do that. You know? Right. Oh, I got you. Um, I think that that was also like its mate, like this shark and Jaws dies and its mate in X revenge on the Brody family. This is this is why you should not have had sequels to this film. Um, well, well, one thing I read uh, Spielberg says that he wish he wishes he had exerted more control over the Jaws movies like he did with like the Jurassic Park movie. You know, what I mean, just like if he had been able because they just went in such a horrible direction. Like a lot of people consider four like one of the worst movies ever made. So, so a fun fact about Jaws two, and this is the only thing I will say about Jaws two that might be considered a fun fact: the shark. Its name is Bruschetta. Hmm. I don't know why, but I found it hilarious that that <laughs> that that's what you would name a shark. Well, the the shark in this, the three sharks in this movie were named Bruce, so that's probably a play off of that. And they were named Bruce after Steven Spielberg's lawyer, which is like, that's nice. That's very thoughtful. Um, I love the scene with the mayor right before basically we get to the last half of the movie uh, where, you know, he's like, the mayor's like, oh, I don't know if I can sign this. And he's like, you have to sign this voucher because right now you're the mayor of Shark City. <laughs> like, we have to yeah. fix this. And the mayor is like trying to like, uh, you know, I was just trying to do what's right for the town. And I was, I was just, I was just thinking about the thing. And he's like, just sign it. And he's like. He turns and it gets all serious. And now it's like the movie wants you to kind of like feel sympathetic for the mayor. And he goes, he goes, he's like, my children were there too, Brody. My children were there too. It's like, yeah, even more reason for you to have closed the fucking beach, you fucking idiot. Also, he, why didn't he, he tell his children to go fucking swim in the ocean? I think he probably did. I mean, two or three people died. Like, we're not closing down a beach for two or three people. All right. It's the 4th of July. I'm team mayor, honestly. If we're, you know we're just... what? Fine, you can be team mayor, but like, what, 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 what businesses open on the Fourth of July that 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 cater to the beach? Like, what a hot dog stand is going to go under? You can go fuck yourself. Hotels, <laughs> yeah, a boardwalk, the... uh, uh, like a beach boardwalk. Yeah, like. <laughs> All right. Have fine. you ever been to like a beach town like destination, like Myrtle Beach? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just that. Just imagine that. That's what. That's what. Okay. Is. Well, I haven't been on the Fourth of July, so I don't know the stakes at hand. Okay. Here's to swimming with bow-legged women. I don't know what it means, but I like it. 
I know what it means. Okay, so I looked it up because I thought that was one of the best quotes in the whole movie. Here's this woman to bow-legged women is actually a, a verse in like a old sailor shanty song or something. So like those kind of people would know what it means, but no one else is supposed to know what it means. And now we do. There's also um, at one point he says, here lies Mary, whatever. She was celibate for 15 years. She lived in 99, celibate for 15 years, which is pretty good around these parts. And right. um, uh, Robert Shaw was actually like, he's like, oh, I read that when I was in Ireland, Scotland, one or two, whatever. And they're like, oh, well, we love it for the movie, but we need to like contact the author and get like the rights to it. And he was like, I read it off a of gravestone. I'm pretty sure we're going to be just OK. Like, we don't need to contact anybody. That's so cool. Reading a thing off a of gravestone and using it in this film. Right. Steven, so, Steven Spielberg was just watering at the mouth for that one. Did you read any of like the the shit between Robert Shaw and Richard Dreyfus? No. So Richard Dreyfus, like when like talking about the movie, he was like, Robert Shaw was so nice to me privately, but when we were like around other people right before filming in between scenes, he was like a complete dick to him and was like constantly talk shit to him. And apparently I didn't know this, but um Roy Schneider used to be a boxer. So at one point, uh, uh, Shaw told Richard Dreyfuss, he's like, you, I bet you can't do 10 fucking push-ups. And Dreyfuss is like, I can do 20. He's like, okay, well, Schneider will watch you because he'll know if you do them correctly. And Schneider was like, he said there's not many people that can do 20 push-ups in a row. And I was like, I don't know, were people in 1970 like super fucking weak? Like a lot of people can do that now. But anyway, not the point. He They like got so much into each other's head and like Richard Dreyfuss was so affected by him. At one point... Robert Shaw bet Dreyfus a thousand dollars that he wouldn't climb to the top of the mast and jump in the water. And Spielberg stepped in. He's like, "No one's fucking doing anything like that. Like this is my <laughs> ship. We're not doing this. Just like calm oh it down." <laughs> literally a dick measuring contest. It's like literally that scene where they start comparing scars, but in real life. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So we get on the boat. Um, Right away, we establish that compressed air will blow, which is not true, according to Mythbusters. I, I, I want to keep moving on, but I do want to talk about a scene before this really quickly. Um, I can't believe you're not wanting to talk about it. When uh, Brody is going off on the boat and his wife is saying goodbye to him and she says, what do I tell the kids? And he turns in his, like, most badass way, and he's like, tell them I've gone fishing. (laughs) That didn't stick with me. What did stick with me is that he needed Dramamine to be on the boat. Mm. Um, And also, I think they do a great job of establishing Robert Shaw's character. Like, we'll talk about it a little bit later, like, the story on the Indianapolis. But all the fucking shark uh, teeth, like, the full... Um, Jaws. Jaws. Oh, fucking thank you. Good job. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Don't know why I can think of that word. But all the full jaws that he has, like in his little shack, right? You could come up with the word jaws. It's the name of the fucking movie. Yeah, everyone has their moments. You thought a, you thought a ten year old boy was running a restaurant earlier. <laughs> Shut all right? the fuck so- up about that. All right, yeah, all the jaws that he had in his shack. What about which it? is just established by that story? He hates fucking sharks. Like he hunts sharks. I don't think there's a whole lot of money in shark hunting, right? 
but right. he hunts and kills sharks because he hates them, which is because of what happened, you know, in his military career. And I think just that scene where you see all these jaws everywhere and he's fucking even like heating up new ones. Like, I guess he's basically melting the boiling the skin and other shit off of the jaw so it looks like pristine so he's desanitizing it um but what's also funny is that he also on the side makes his own like moonshine he's an entrepreneur as they would say (laughs) he's a man of many many talents um yeah so i was i was curious about that too i'm glad you brought it up because of all the the shark uh jaws that are hanging on the walls and stuff like that like I said, this this is just really just a this whole movie is a character study on these three dudes. Like you you didn't have to make Dreyfus's character so like deep with like oh he's a marine biologist and you could have left it alone, but he's like a rich kid that does this for a hobby. Like that's cool, right? And then Brody has his own backstory that we know very little of, but we get we still get a lot of detail from it. Um, and then Quint is kind of the last person we get like the full image of who he is uh before he dies <laughs> which is sad but this like um ss indianapolis story that he's he's talking about um where like 1100 people go in the water and only 300 come out cuz the sharks took the rest can you imagine it, it what did he say it's like sharks average 6 men an hour something like that well and because they were this was the mission to take the bomb to hiroshima um, you know, they like no one came for them for like a week. I did read that like a lot of people did die in this in real life, but actually like the sharks were eating dead people that they're actually like if if any shark came up to like a living person, if they kicked around, the shark was like, oh, fuck that. And just like went after and found like a dead guy. So it wasn't as like horrifying in real life. But yeah, that story's fucking great. What I did read is so Robert Shaw was a known uh, drunk. I don't think he can sue us because he's dead. And um, he actually filmed that scene drunk, and it was fucking horrible. And he came to Spielberg the next day and apologized and was like, I really need another shot at it. And Spielberg said okay. And then the next time he did it, fucking nailed it, and that's the one in the movie. Funny. Yeah. So. They're, supposed to, they're supposed to be drunk in the scene, right? Yeah, right. So- the way that... The way that shot too is like makes the boat look so much bigger. That little area I, they're in. I bet it's a set. It's a set. Well, no, probably. But then also you think about this. Like, this wasn't supposed to be a multi-night thing. Where the fuck were they sleeping? Just like on the like, where were they going to sleep? They didn't actually sleep at all. But like, where? What was the plan? I don't think there was a plan. I mean, dude, you take three guys now and you put them in a boat, tell them to go kill a shark. There's no plan. Also, like, bring some like fucking powerful guns just like and when this thing comes up like shoot it <laughs> instead of powerful guns i thought you were gonna say bring some fucking power raid <laughs> and, and snacks <laughs> well yeah yeah <laughs> the, the important part uh they had like a rifle right they had a rifle they had a harpoon and they had like a tiny gun yeah i'm thinking like an an ak you know like or <laughs> when you want to kill every motherfucker in the room you bring an ak when when Brody took that dynamite from that guy, maybe bring that with. Yeah, that guy had the right idea. Bring that guy. How about that? The dynamite guy. Cor- correct. Um, I also no- like notice in the first half of this. So you know, there's the first day and the second day, right? In the first day, 
uh, he uh, Quint is a complete asshole to Richard Dreyfuss's character Hooper, but is super nice and treats Brody basically like a little kid, like teaching him how to right. do knots, like whatever. I think is really funny. Um, and then we get to that iconic shot where he's chumming. <laughs> he he asks Quint, he's like, "Hey, why don't you make Hooper do a little of this chumming?" And he's like, "He's driving the boat." And then you look, and Hooper's fucking playing solitaire. <laughs> Like, not doing shit. Right. Um, that scene's so iconic. Apparently, they're, like, they had to lengthen the time from when you see the shark to when he says, you're going to need a bigger boat because um, the crowd reaction was so loud and, like, gasping that it, like, they played over that part. That was also an ad-libbed line from Roy Schneider. And it's like... Good job, Roy Schneider. One of the Good most job. famous lines in movie history, so... Definitely, 100%. I mean, I think as he was saying it, I was saying it because I, I, I knew it was coming. So you're saying like by the time his his reaction had to be delayed, like he took what did he, he like? He looked over to Quint. He looked back over the boat. He took a few steps back. Like all that was put in just to kind of elongate yeah. his scene. <clears throat> OK, correct. Um, I also like <laughs> when Dreyfus is up doing the boat by himself as Quint is yelling at him. He's like, I. Sir, ah, ah, ah. like, yeah, like, just basically like a fucking crazy person up there by himself. Ah, oh, I love his character; it's so good. Yeah, and then they see the shark, and they get a barrel on him, and then we get to the first night where they're comparing scars, and um, we also already talked about like the Indianapolis part, which is just like that's. One of like the the parts that sticks with you. That story is like so well told. Like obviously, really good. He got another take on it, um, but just such such a powerful part of the movie. It is um, the the movie reminds me a lot of a movie we did before. Um, I don't know why I'm comparing these. I mean, I know why I'm comparing these, but do you see a lot of similarities between Jaws and Twister? Yeah. Yeah, because so. they're hunting this thing, right? This like natural entity that seems sentient. Like Twister seems like it's going after them on a personal vendetta sometimes, right? Uh, but there's this line that we said back when we were recording Twister. Uh, oh yeah, like a cat four, like a category four or category five Twister. And we were like, we don't know anything about this, but this seems serious. Like, oh, it's he can't fuck with cat category five, right? us knowing very little about uh tornado hunting when he's like oh he's not going down with three like two barrels and then he goes down with two barrels he's like oh he's not going down with three barrels and then he goes underwater with three barrels that knowing very little about what that means and then kind of learning what that means watching the movie i was like i guess it's like have you ever tried taking like a tiny like you're you're Child is learning how to swim. He has the floaties on his arms, right? Yeah, have you ever tried to take it down under? Yeah, it's hard. And it's a tiny little balloon. And it's hard. Can you imagine, like, however big those barrels are with, like, that kind of air trying to take three of those down? Well, apparently the Mythbusters said that a shark could maybe take two barrels down but can never keep it down for any extended length. Like, that part Did you be... just watch, like, nine seasons of the Mythbusters? Uh, no, it was in the IMDb facts where I get all my information about movies. <laughs> okay. 
Um, and the music, like you already brought this up, but the music when they're chasing the shark at the end is fairly upbeat and makes not a whole bunch of sense. Right. Um, I do like the part where Brody's like, "Hey, why don't we lead the sh- the shark to shore instead of just us following the shark?" He says it's to Dreyfus. And then they both look at Quint and they're like, oh, that's why we're not doing it. Because of this fucking crazy person right here is not going to let us do it. So we're just stuck out here. Um, And then the shark almost pulls the boat in with his strength, which would also be impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know how I was saying, like, Quint is like a Captain Ahab-esque character kind of trying to, you know. um, what's, uh, What's Captain Ahab's boat's name? The Pequod, I think. Um, uh sure it it gets destroyed in in moby dick and and quint's boat gets destroyed in this too although i wasn't aware i i knew about like the shark biting the boat and and coming up on the boat um and taking quint with him i didn't know that one the whole shark cage thing that we already kind of talked about with um with uh dreyfus happened that was surprising because at that point, I think the audience might think that Dreyfus is dead. Well, except you see him swim, like and sort of hide. I, you know, yeah, but you don't see him for a while. Very, yeah, that's true. You do sort of lose him. I mean, it, so at the end, you know, you have just Brody, like the scene where Quint gets killed. Probably one of the. I think one of the best kills, you know, I said earlier, the guy in the thing, but this is obviously the best, like if it weren't for that, <laughs> Hooper kind of gets him killed, right? Cause if it weren't for that fucking tank that hits his hand, it hits his hand and then loosens his grip. And then he fucking slides down into the shark's mouth. So Hooper like got him killed at the very end. You mean, you mean Brody? Well, no, it was Hooper's tank. Hooper brought those tanks on board. Oh, you're just saying, yeah, yeah. But that, those tanks kept getting loose and like Brody, like, like yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, well, the the structural integrity of the boat at that point was not at its best, so I don't know. If oh that's... god, no, no. But you know, like Quint was trying to get himself into that. I mean, he got himself into that situation. He's he's running the boat motor until it basically explodes. He gets too greedy with like the shark, and then finally it just gets the better of him. I love him with the machete. Okay, this is so cool. He goes. I think it's. Who who goes to the back of the boat and grabs the machete? Is it Quint? I think so because he has it at the end as he's dying, and he and he and he goes to to cut something, but it it he doesn't need it, and so he like stabs it into the hull of the of the ship, and then that comes back later when he grabs it again and he stabs the shark with it in his eyes or near his eyes, his his doll like dark, lifeless eyes, and um. The the way he goes out trying to he goes out fighting is great. I agree with you there. Um. So at the end, we just have Brody, and he stuck the tank in the shark's teeth, and he's just like, and you know how this is going to end because he even says, like, All right, "Let me see that tank," and then just the smile, you son of a bitch. Like he's shot like five times. He has one bullet left, and then says that. And it just fucking explodes. And his scream, too, of just like, ah, I did it. So isn't it? I, I didn't I didn't expect this. Isn't it cool? Like he's in the cabin where they all were like talking the night prior and it's flooding like the whole ship is going under. 
the fucking shark busts through the glass of the thing. I was like, what the hell? Like, holy shit. So he busts through the glass of the thing, which makes him climb to the top of the mast anyways. Um, you want to know how the shark dies in the book? It's much different. Sure. Um, so you know how Quint, like, stabs the shark and harpoons the shark, like, 50 times, and he's shot, like, 50 times, right? Throughout the right. whole film. He, Brody's in the water, and the shark is, like, coming up to him to to do the, you know, final kill. And the shark just dies of blood loss, like, feet before getting to Brody. Just fucking goes limp and sinks. I think that is... You can't. That's easier. You can explain that in, with the written word in a book, but it's hard to pictorially represent that in a movie. Yeah, it would look like the shark just gave up or something. But like, just like <laughs> nap time. <laughs> but uh, Steven Spielberg was like, "No, you know, it's much more dynamic to fucking explode the shark." Yeah, fucking great. Apparently, the director, like the, or sorry, the guy who wrote the book like didn't like that and had a bunch of other shit he didn't like about the movie to the point where they just had to kick him off the set the the, the boyfriend from the girl in the beginning was right hey yeah, get him out of here uh and also they when filming was gonna wrap they were gonna dunk steven spielberg in the ocean but he got wind of it so he like is like all right let's get this scene going and then he has another boat come up he jumps on that boat it takes him to shore and then at like as the boat is going away, he's like, see you guys later. No, I won't be back tomorrow. And like, just gets on a plane to fucking LA. He's like, I'm out. Like, I'm not going in the water. Um, my last question before we sort of wrap this up, which I have a bunch of, I have a couple facts to say after this, but do you think that the mayor in passing after this is over mentions to Brody that they saved quite a bit of money with Quint dying? Just like, can't help himself and be like, you know, the silver lining in all of this is that the town doesn't have to pay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when did that money go to Brody? Why? Because Brody wasn't a... killed the shark. Uh, no, that mean no, no. It wasn't like a. It wasn't just like a. Whoever does this, it wasn't like a reward poster. It was a contract made. The three thousand. The three thousand dollars was he at least oh, yeah, gets yeah. that. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Can you imagine him going to the Kittner mother and just like, <laughs> I know this is awkward, but you did offer $3,000. And now that while we're here, it was really the mayor who kept the beach open. I wanted, I can show you the signs that I had made. We'll, he just we'll talk, retcons, he retcons the whole thing. We'll talk later. You seem to be in a bad mood today. We'll, we'll talk another time. He turns to Hooper. He's like, also, can you not fuck my wife? Thanks. Uh, real quick, so uh, Spielberg originally wanted Charlton Heston in the movie, but he then thought Charlton Heston is an action hero. If I put him as the Roy, uh, no, is the Quint character Roy Schneider? I can't remember. I think it's the Quint. No, as Brody. If you make him Brody, then it's going to be obvious to the audience that this dude who continually saves people's lives in movies is just going to do that in this movie like Charlton Heston's right. not going to die and Charlton Heston was so annoyed at this that he like said he would refuse to ever work with Spielberg again and Spielberg tried to get him in his next movie 1941 or a movie a few years later and Heston was like now nah, go fuck yourself um he's like you know that movie 
that I wouldn't let you in that made millions of dollars? Do you want to be in another one? And the guy said no, basically turning down that much money. Well, I don't think 1941 ended up being that good. Um, Gene Hackman was also considered for Brody, which is funny. That would have been good. But he just chose the other guy from French Connection instead of Gene Hackman. You know what's so Uh, amazing is that Star Wars came out two years afterwards. And there's like... I mean... There's like this always this friendly rivalry, right, between Spielberg and Lucas. Um, not no but more. It, huh? I said not no more. Why do you say that? I mean, because no one really takes George Lucas has created Star Wars, but like no one takes him serious as a director anymore. Spielberg's <laughs> one of the best. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But they were all in this like club when they were all young. They were like. Yeah, him, him, De Palma, or those Coppola, two, De Palma, I think. yeah, and then I think maybe Scorsese. Yeah. Um, the other one who turned down the role of Quint was Oliver Reed, who was the um, he owned Maximus in Gladiator. He's the guy that died during the filming of Gladiator. He oh. turned down the role of Quint. Um, and the last thing I read is that Steve. I don't know if this is true. But Steven Spielberg was so sure he was going to win the Oscar that he hired a news crew to film him during the Oscars. And he ended up that they lost best picture to one flew over the cuckoo's nest. (laughs) Uh, Which in in his defense, Jaws should have fucking won the Oscar for best picture. I think this is such a good movie. And you know what? For all it's worth, I'm glad I watched it. I don't quite care that it's, Took me a while to get there, but I really glad I watched it. And and I think the appreciation that I have for everything that came with this movie, um, I, just I really fucking liked it, David. It's one of the best ever. So I'm happy you you got there with the rest of us. Thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David, and this is Alon, and I finally watched. Jaws.